Welcome to With Heart and Wonder. This is a place for us to explore heart-centered living and to celebrate what it means to live with wonder, with awe and appreciation for the possibilities that are within us and around us. I'm Megan Johnston, and I am truly so honored and excited that you are here. Let's dive in and journey together. Welcome to another episode of With Heart and Wonder. This is episode 52, and in today's episode, I am joined by my dear friend, Jackie Acree. I absolutely adore Jackie. We haven't known each other for too long, um, but she is this incredible self-compassion advocate and really is a tapping wizard. And if you haven't heard of tapping before, not a problem. We're going to dive into exactly what tapping is, as well as some of the hangups I've had with tapping in the past. Jackie really makes tapping so practical and accessible, and this episode is filled with so many compassionate tips to either give tapping a try, or if you're already uh, an active tapper, maybe um, this will give you some insight into into the science behind tapping and, and, and little shifts you can make as well to bring tapping into your life to really support your healing. Now, before we dive in... I wanted to take a moment to let you know that I am so thrilled to be announcing that Radical Rest Rhythms is launching again at the end of this August 2021. So I launched Radical Rest Rhythms for the first time last year, and this is a course I created to help you transform your relationship with rest so that you can heal your heart and have energy for the things that light you up. And really, it's not just about practices. This course really came out of this need and desire I felt to create a space where we're going beyond the practices. Because let's be really honest, a lot of us have experience with things like meditation or breathing exercises or tools and techniques that can help reduce stress and help us access rest. But it's the, the, what I wanted to do was to create a compassionate community where we are really looking into our relationship with rest. And ultimately, at the heart of it all, is creating a compassionate approach to rest. And if you want to hear more about this, if you're curious why a compassionate approach to rest is so important, I am hosting a masterclass on August 29th. It's a Sunday. You can get all the details if you head on over and join my email list at meganjohnston.com. And why I wanted to share this today is because when Radical Rest launches again this fall, we are having this incredible masterclass series that is going to be part of it. We're going to be joined every month by an an expert who I love and admire, who has an approach to rest or tools and techniques that complement what is already inside the course. And Jackie is one of those masterclass guests. I'm so thrilled. 
we'll be looking at tapping. So if you love what you hear in today's episode and want to know more specifically about applying tapping to rest, we're going to have this opportunity to learn from her and ask her questions. And it's not just Jackie, there's a number of other incredible incredible people who are joining us for this guest masterclass series. If you're interested in learning more about Radical Rest or coming to the masterclass that I'm hosting uh, later in August on a compassionate approach to rest, head on over to meganjohnson.com. That masterclass at the end of August on a compassionate approach to rest is free and an opportunity just to come together to learn from each other to celebrate the power of rest, even if you're not quite ready to join us for Radical Rest Rhythms yet, you are totally welcome and I promise you'll walk away with some some new insights into your relationship with rest. Without further ado, let's dive on in and learn from Jackie. Welcome, Jackie. I am just thrilled to have you here. You are one of my favorite people, I think. You've quickly become one of my favorite people. Um, and so I, I feel the same. Thank you for having me. I know we we started planning this podcast episode actually a while ago and, and had to postpone it. And I am just so excited to have this conversation. And so, so looking forward to diving into tapping, which is one of your many expertise is today. Um, but can you just get us started by just sharing a little bit about you? Yes, I am very excited to be here. And you're right, we've been planning this actually for quite a long time. So I am really just always on that adventure of life, right? And how timing comes together. So super excited to be here. Um, As far as who I am, we are in this beautiful wide country of Canada and I'm sure you have listeners all over the world. So I'm in this little tiny community called Lake Country. I love that it's called Lake Country because we really do live like in the midst of a bunch of lakes, but it's just outside of Kelowna, British Columbia in Canada. And we have two beautiful little kids, a dog that I'm absolutely ridiculous about and had no idea that I would love her as much as I do. She definitely sleeps on the bed. (laughs) I'm a dog mom. I am a book nerd. I love to read and I've been to Las Vegas several times and I'm the weirdo that's always looking for the pool without the loud music. I've been accused of looking for the library pool. I love reading. I'm like, please just give me a quiet book and a coffee. And I'm so happy. I'm a self-compassion advocate as well, which is really what shows up in my work as an EFT tapping practitioner. And I know we are going to delve into that. So I'm super excited for this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And you're so right. I I really, I, I know you talked about, you know, just like the, the flow of how things come together. And I love that we're on this beautiful journey of life and that we've just kind of let it evolve that this episode would happen when it would, even though both of us have known, I think since March that, you know, we were going to do the episode. We're now in August. Um, But the other thing that I think is really beautiful is actually, um, and it's one of my favorite types of um, meetings, I guess, or, or like origin stories, which is that you and I were in an online Zoom meeting at the same time and connected after the fact. And we're both like, oh my gosh, I just couldn't stop like looking at your little square on the Zoom screen. <laughs> and and there that sometimes, you know, when we're in these like online spaces or any spaces, because it happens too when you're like at an event, but that there's like somebody who just like 
is radiating or like has this energy that you're just drawn to, right? And that you're yeah. like, oh yeah, that person, like I want to get to know that person. And um, so it's been so cool. I, I just think it's 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 fun sometimes how you meet people and the ways in which it happens. And actually um, I had a student I was emailing with earlier this week who was talking about how they were just sharing that for them sometimes um, they always take the position of like if someone wants to get to know them that that person will reach out to them but that lately they've been trying to actually be the one who reaches out to other people um and and like make that mindset shift and I think it's just cool sometimes that we can really meet people in all sorts of different ways and that sometimes it is just like you know like just being in a zoom meeting and being like huh I can't seem to stop looking at you know Jackie's little square and I'm so intrigued by her and that she just like you know radiates warmth um which I I think is, uh, is so true of you. Um, I think of you as just a, a really, really bright light or a bright sunflower, just radiating uh, so warmth sweet. and compassion. But let's talk a little bit about tapping or EFT. So I am guessing that there are probably going to be many listeners who have not heard of tapping before and maybe some who have or who, who have tried it. Um, I'm, I'm guessing there is a broad spectrum. Uh, but could you tell us what tapping is and how it is that you found tapping? Yeah, for sure. You're so right, Megan. Like there are always in any space, there's going to be people who've literally never heard of it. They're going to be like, what is this weird tapping thing? I don't, I've never heard of that. And there will be people who've tried it and I've had people say, well, it never really worked for me. And then they give it a try. And I honestly do not know why, but for whatever reason, when we tap together, it now resonates for them. Sure. And then there are people who probably are using it already and are just interested in maybe going deeper or learning one little new facet of it. So wherever you are at, of course, um, you're welcome here to the space to learn together. So tapping is formally called emotional freedom techniques. Um, more, you know, commonly referred to as EFT, and then we call it tapping. It's the colloquial way or like the casual way of referring to it. It's what most people probably have heard of, or sometimes you'll say EFT tapping, they combine those two together. But the reason it's called tapping is because we literally tap on our bodies with our fingertips while we're talking about our, our thoughts and our feelings. So that's why it's called tapping. And how is it that you found tapping? So tapping, I'm actually not a woo-woo person at all. Um, I'm more of the science nerd. Uh, although, you know, my, my real belief is that science and woo-woo are actually in some ways the same. I think that we just maybe have different ways of understanding and explaining them. Laura Belgray, she um, is a, uh, I think a copywriter and um, a business coach, she calls tapping woo adjacent and other practices mm. like tapping. And I love that. So I went from woo skeptical to woo curious and now I would call myself woo adjacent so if anyone is woo woo I mean for sure there's space for them and I absolutely am always interested in hearing and learning from other people I'm more comfortable in the science aspect of things when I first heard about tapping I thought that sounds really weird like how could this possibly work we are tapping on our bodies with our fingers and talking about our thoughts and our feelings it just sounded really stupid to me <laughs> so i was super uh reluctant to try tapping i have a bachelor of arts in counseling and i was much more interested in different kinds of therapies that had science to support them. So cognitive behavioral therapy is the gold standard of therapy. And I was very much in the change your thoughts, change your life kind of a camp. 
and I tried that for a really, really long time. As I already said, I'm a book nerd. I love self-help. So I dive, I dove into all of that realm and tried to white knuckle my own thoughts for a really, really long time. Tapping came into my life originally through a friend. She suggested it. I was talking to her about some anxiety struggles I was having. She said, give this a try. I said, no. <laughs> and then eventually I met the woman who I did uh, train under and I'm certified with, Jackie McDonald. And when I met her, um, you know, like you said, Megan, when we, you and I met, it's like somebody who just radiated something special. And uh, when she described tapping, and I actually got to give it a try and experienced it. One of her phrases is tapping is better experienced than explained. Mm -hmm. And in some ways I really agree with her. The experience of it helps us to build trust to give it a try because it's what the change that happens in you is going to help you to understand how it actually works and uh, why it works and the difference that it can make um, for you as an individual. So I love that tapping is better experienced than explained. I also though, being the science nerd that I am, I'm more comfortable understanding a little bit about how it works and knowing that it is actually a valid and reliable tool um, for stress relief, stress resilience, emotional agility. Um, as I said, as a self-compassion advocate for self-compassion, shifting subconscious beliefs and patterns, healing old traumas, and then being able to actually act on the truth that we know as an adult like, have you ever felt like as an adult woman, I'm 44. So as a 44 year old woman, I will judge my thoughts or feelings or my behaviors. Like I should be able to act in this way, but I might be acting like a five-year-old, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, we see this a lot in our relationships and in our intimate relationships, our partners, our children, you know, as a mother or as a wife, I see myself doing this. So tapping brings a lot of healing to that because there's this part of ourselves that um, requires a lot of nurturing and self-care and tapping is a tool that can help with that. So that's how I originally discovered it and um, have been practicing the tool now for a while, first personally and then professionally now for a few years. So yeah, it's been life-changing for me. Yeah. And can you like tell us a little bit because, and this is one of the things that I, I love about you and your work is this really deep passion um, for understanding. And I actually, I relate to this a lot because um, I find, especially when I was doing, when I started doing more wellness workshops in, in places like workplaces, is that it's like one thing to be told that meditation or, or a certain breathing exercise is really good for you or good for stress relief or whatever, but it's another thing to help someone understand why. And I think it creates this like, um, it creates a sense, I think at the very deepest level, uh, a sense of deeper safety around mm -hmm. using a tool. Um, and I know with actually, so the very first time I did tapping, I, oh, it was probably, probably about eight years ago maybe seven and a half and I was at this this just this like yoga kind of like one day retreat where there was some different tools that we were exploring and there was someone there who was an EFT practitioner and the just the way that it was introduced and we did absolutely it was she was very focused on the experiencing rather than explaining but there was no real explanation at all and then the way that we went into it and and I know there's lots of people who 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 teach it in different ways but that there was like one specific um individual in that group of 45 people who 
and we were tapping on their particular uh, issue that they were going through. And I don't remember what it was, but I just remember having this like sense and feeling like I was like intruding on somebody's like therapy appointment. And I know that, yeah. and then like I was like intruding on, um, on something that was, that like was not meant for me. And then of course, if I'm, you know, in this case, tapping on what, what this woman was experiencing, um, I can understand why it wasn't a super transformational experience for me because it wasn't necessarily maybe the things that I, I needed to, to work through in my own body. Um, and so I, I'm curious because I'm sure maybe some people have had experiences like that at a workshop or maybe they've just like heard or, or seen someone tapping, but can we go into a little bit of like what is actually happening when we're tapping and and why is it that I guess there's two parts to what I want to talk about here. So the first part is um, thinking about um, like what's actually happening with with our bodies and and why is it that that can be so impactful? I know you spoke about you know the um, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy being the gold standard of therapy and talk therapy and and what is it about uh, this more somatic piece and and using the body that can be really powerful. Right. Yeah. That's such a great question. Um, and thank you for breaking it into more than one part because there's a lot to <laughs> tackle there. There's a lot to tackle there. And just circling back to your own experience with it, um, there, you know, not every experience that we have with tapping is going to be transformational. Yeah. It just can't be. It's like every therapy appointment is not transformational. There are layers to the work we're doing. Um, it's, we're nurturing ourselves and not all of those are going to feel like aha moments or I mean this is a really weird way to say it but not every orgasm is the best orgasm of your life (laughs) (laughs) there you go uh so that that does make sense to me that may not have been transformational for you also depending on how that session was led like I do a lot of group sessions uh, and I have never had feedback so I would love to hear from if you're a client of mine and this is how you felt please tell me because I've never heard feedback that someone has felt like they're intruding on someone else's personal session and instead we are doing the work collectively okay. a lot of the issues are universal mm. and um and the healing can be done in community which is really actually beautiful so I do work with people one-on-one Uh, which is a different experience. And then the group work can really be transformational as well because we're healing together. So it really, you know, it just depends on um, your own unique experience at that time. One thing that tapping offers is something called borrowing benefits is what they call it. And what it really is working with is mirror neurons. So you, there are two things happening. We are mirroring the other person who's doing the work when we're tapping along, even when it's not our own issue. And this has been studied. So they have scientific evidence to show that even if it's not my issue, if I'm tapping along with someone, I am still borrowing the benefit of the actual tapping. Mm -hmm. And the reason that that's happening is like I said, mirror neurons as well. Now I'll go into the explanation of how tapping works. So there are three, um, tenants, I guess, that I usually talk about, three pillars, three foundational aspects of tapping, uh, why it actually works scientifically. And the first one is it is a somatic experience. And so that's the other reason why it would work when you're tapping along with someone, even if it's not your issue, it does bring you some degree of relief or it, it, hopefully it does because you are literally, so I know people are listening right now, they can't see me, but if you were to tap on the top of your head, just gently with your fingertips, you're sending an 
message instantaneously to your amygdala, which is that fight or flight response of your brain, you're sending a message that it's safe to relax. So it's sending this instantaneous physical message through your physical body that you're safe right now. There's no immediate threat. And so even just a simple act of tapping, even if the issue is not your issue, it's going to bring some relief to your nervous system because it's activating that parasympathetic nervous response. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first thing that's happening is it's a somatic tool. What I have seen over the last few decades of psychology is we really love to focus on the power of the brain, the power of the mind. And the truth is it is really powerful. Uh, you know, it is plastic, it can change. The truth also is that it can be really hard to change the brain. And people don't love to talk about that part. So as you know, we'll get into this, I think a little bit later, but one of, um, I do a masterclass called Gaslit by Self-Help. And the reason is because we're told the brain can change. We're told the brain is plastic, change your thoughts, change your life. And yet we try to do that. And when we run into resistance, then we think, well, I guess there must be something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not doing it consistently enough. I'm not disciplined enough. I'm not trying hard enough at it. Or maybe I'm just really that messed up. That's what we start to worry about ourselves when that doesn't work. And the fact is that yes, the brain can change, but it can be really hard to change the brain. Some things are very deeply ingrained. And when you're only working with the conscious mind, which is about five experts agree, it's about five to 10% max, 10% max, could be as little as 5% of our mind is our conscious mind. And that's what we're doing is we're trying to like white knuckle those thoughts. So affirmations, I'm not saying that affirmations aren't a useful tool or that they never work. What I'm saying is when you try to convince your brain that the affirmation is true, but 95% of your mind doesn't believe that that's true, probably based on childhood experiences, So these are patterns that are created and laid as a foundation. And so you're trying to tell yourself something with this affirmation consciously, but without absolute rigor and discipline and consistent practice of that thought, like I said, it does work, but without that, what I call white knuckling, it's really unlikely that you're going to be able to imprint that into your actual belief system. Mm -hmm. So Tapping works somatically to send that calming safety message to your brain and it's working with your body. There are nine messages from your body going to your brain for every one message from your brain to your body. It's a nine to one ratio. So we have to start learning to use the body in our healing processes. If we don't, we're overlooking a very significant source of power. Um, in our human potential, right? And you're going to see that in lots of different modalities. Um, There are lots of embodiment practices that are including uh, or being included in healing therapies. So tapping is one of them. So that's the first reason why tapping works. It's somatic. The second thing is that it works really, really fast. So like I said, there's this decades long study that Harvard or a decade long study that Harvard did. And they found that tapping on the acupoints they're called so these points on our body that are on the meridians so if anyone's had acupuncture or maybe acupressure they're probably familiar with the meridians in the body our energy system right and simply tapping on those acupoints so stimulating them in some way they saw an instantaneous signal go to the amygdala so it works really really fast So yes, you can have a 90 minute one-on-one tapping session with me as a practitioner, 
but we're going to get results quickly in that session. We're going to go through all the different layers. I just snapped my fingers, which I realize people can't see me, <laughs> but maybe we they can, heard the snap. We can right? hear it though. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's it's that fast. So again, I am not at all saying that the healing happens instantaneously and you never have to deal with it again. I'm saying that you're gonna start to experience a sense of calm and you can access your prefrontal cor cortex, your cognitive, like your your conscious thoughts become so much more available to you. You're aware of some of those subconscious thoughts and patterns, like you start to see it from that adult mind. And you can start to make some choices instead of acting in a reactive or a triggered state, which most of us are very unconscious of our behavior, our thoughts, our feelings. We're just sort of on autopilot most of the time. So because tapping sends that really immediate signal, um, you're going to get some quick relief. Now, transformation, of course, can take some time. So I'll give you a study about that as well. Uh, there was a study done by Dr. Peter Stapleton. And she is one of the founding, like she's a researcher that uh, she's done a lot of great scientific work to show the validity and reliability of tapping as an actual healing modality. And most of the time it is compared to cognitive behavioral therapy, because of course that is the gold standard. So let's compare it to the best of the best, right? So there was a study done um, of people seeking treatment for, let me remember this one. This one would have been for, I think, anxiety. And they found that people experienced relief from their anxiety. So they had three groups of people. One, they were only receiving tapping as, okay. um, as a therapeutic tool. One group was receiving psychotherapy and one group was receiving just simply rest, like literally just laying there on a couch reading a magazine kind of a thing. So very uh, passive. And so the group that received the tapping, they noticed uh, relief in their symptoms three, sorry, five times faster than the cognitive behavioral therapy group. So wow. that's a lot faster, like five times. And so that's why I said three. I was trying to remember the details. It was in three sessions of tapping versus 15 of cognitive behavioral therapy. That's a lot faster. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. And there is this element and maybe you could speak a, a little bit about kind of, I know you shared as, as when you are are doing tapping, there is this element of, of tapping the fingers on different areas of the body to stimulate the meridians. Um, and then we're speaking while we're doing it. And I, I'm definitely not a tapping expert, but I have done it. <laughs> um, after that first experience, I have had a lot more positive experiences too. And maybe it was just the first time. Maybe it was... Totally. Yeah, you know, like... Um, yeah, who knows? Who knows? But I have I have done it in other experiences. And I think that there's something really unique and special about the way that the languaging happenings as you're speaking through it. Can you share a little bit about that? I know we're going to yeah. offer um, at the end for people to to take a um, uh, this incredible 10-minute uh, guided session that they can go and take and experience it for themselves, but kind of as like a sneak peek preview, but to speak to the languaging and the way in mm -hmm. which, um, because I think that's one of the things, anytime that I've tapped that I found really powerful about it is this 
opportunity. There's a layer of like compassionate self-acceptance that is is happening in mm-hmm. the way in which you're talking yourself through things. And then there's also this um, opportunity for reframing, I think. that, yes. that ha- And this is mm-hmm. just, you know, my observations, not as a tapping expert. But could you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So a couple of things I want to circle back to really quick, because you had a really good point. So I dive, I dove into how tapping works and why it works without really even saying what it is. So um, we are literally tapping on our bodies with our fingertips, like you said, and we're talking about our thoughts and feelings. And I think that's a really important thing to say a few times because yes. right? people are trying to understand, like, I don't get it. What are you doing here? It's a blend of the wisdom of acupuncture, acupressure, uh, the fact of those meridian, um, systems in our bodies so it's marrying that uh that factual scientific knowledge with psychotherapy that talking about our thoughts and feelings also works so it's putting those two together it's a blend of those two approaches uh so thank you for making sure that we highlight that because I think sometimes if people really aren't sure what it is they're trying to envision what what are we really doing here yeah and yes you can do it by yourself you can also do it with a guide and that guide can be recorded. Like you said, they can download a session of mine at the end here, just as a quick little taster. Um, or you can do it one-on-one with a guided practitioner who's really going to get very, um, you know, down and dirty with you about all the stuff that you want to really work on. Um, so, so I, I, the other thing I want to circle back to my, remember when I was saying I was resistant to tapping at first. Yes. Well, a group experience can feel that way. Like I can remember when I first saw tapping happening and I was in, um, uh, like a 50 person retreat kind of a setting. It didn't resonate with me. It didn't, it wasn't my issue. I was like, I don't know. I mean, it looks like the person up there was having some benefit, but I was like, I don't really get it. Um, however, yeah, yeah, that that would happen for you. That's entire. And, and as you said that I, I made the connection, which is that like, since the other times that I've done tapping, I don't actually know that I've done it again in a group situation that's been live. It's been online like mm-hmm. either guided like a recording or in like an online setting and that felt safer to me which is so yes. so now I know why now I know why that first setting yes. so yeah Absolutely. you totally illuminated that for me yeah it was at that event that so I was first really introduced to having saw it happening um you know was watching someone get um a session as a demonstration it was just kind of like this is still not quite resonating with me but I had this triggering experience at that event and um, I had, they had taught enough of tapping that I got the gist. And remember, this was my first introduction. So I had already, I had a little bit of an idea of tapping. And I actually ended up going into the bathroom, into the bathroom stall. And I called it like I rage tapped for myself. So I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't do it properly. And this is the beauty of the tool uh, that I always want to communicate to people that it's a forgiving tool. Um, yes, it's helpful to have a guide, of course. However, it can also be a tool that's literally at your own fingertips. It's such an empowering tool because when you use it, um, it's going to work by instantaneously stimulating that parasympathetic response, calming you down. And that rage tap that I did on my own in that bathroom stall, it probably was only five minutes max, like maybe not even. And I mean, I was like a 12 out of 10 triggered. I was truly, when I say rage, I'm not... I'm being a little bit facetious to be funny, but it's actually the truth. I was also very enraged and it brought me down to like a zero and gave me such 
powerful insight about why I was so triggered and what Mm. was going on for me. And that was my first transformational experience with tapping where that one issue has never come up again for me. I've never been triggered in the same way. I've never been in rape because it did not make sense. I mean, we've all had that happen where you just are like redlined and you're like, what is going on? Whether it's rage or tears or like, but you have this physical, like massive emotional overload. And you're like, what is going on for me right now? And so tapping can be really, really helpful um, to process that. And, uh, but my first experience, like yours, Megan, was kind of like, meh. Yeah. (laughs) Weird. And I don't, it's not working for me. Um, Okay. So you're asking, um, bring me back to the question. Yeah. Well, actually, and that was a perfect segue because you also, um, in that anecdote that you just shared, you spoke about that self-evaluation piece as well yes, about you know language. noticing that you were a 12 out of 10 and then going down to zero which I know is part of that tapping process again that can be really impactful so yes. my question had been around the language that we're using yes, right. but maybe you could even just like walk us through so we know that we're tapping on the meridians but like walk us through if we were going to do like a tapping session what that would look like in terms of you know rating ourselves and then the language and um and and specifically I was talking about how I think the language is really powerful in in that the language itself is is inviting you into a mode of self-acceptance and of reframing right absolutely okay so the first reason I think I truly fell in love with tapping is because like I said I had been down the cognitive behavioral therapy route I tried the change your thoughts change your life uh type of approach a lot of power through or breakthrough models of self-help and a lack a serious lack of trauma-informed approach so I had tried all of that and I was not miserable I had a good life but I felt like there I was missing something that's what I felt like I'm like I'm still a little bit not I felt a little off like there just has to be more to this like this is too hard and um I did feel like there's got to be something wrong with me because this isn't quite working. So what's wrong? Because it sure seemed like it was working for everybody else. All the gurus, I mean, they seemed quite fulfilled and they had no problems manifesting everything, right? So what was going on? And so my first love with tapping was that we are not only allowed, we're invited to tell the truth about how we feel. And it was my first introduction to uh, being honest and having permission to say like, I'm like effing pissed off about this right now. Like when I say rage, right? Like I am really mad and it doesn't make sense. And I wish I wasn't, but I am. And so the first stage of tapping is always this venting round. Now you may not be triggered to that 12 out of 10 level, that's fine. What we do first is we always tell the truth about how we feel. And so that could be, I feel overwhelmed. I feel stressed out. I feel anxious. I feel frustrated. I feel really, I'm like, you know, grief. I feel so much grief. Um, I don't like this thing. Like whatever it is that we're experiencing that we we are feeling it, we are thinking it, and we wish it wasn't so, but it is. So we're allowed to tell the truth about that. So the language of that says something like, we would start by tapping on the side of the hand, which is called the karate chop point. We tap gently there and we'd say something like, even though I'm really feeling overwhelmed right now, and this mental load is so heavy. And then we do a, like we do a reversal where we say, um, I choose to love and accept myself anyway. 
or I give myself permission to feel whatever I feel or I'm open to seeing this differently now. So we're gonna say it, what the truth is and we offer a little reversal, which just creates a little bit of space in the psyche to say like, okay, this is true and I'm also okay. We're creating safety, right? Then you tap through that first round, you're gonna tap on the body and you just vent it out. Tell the truth, like, I'm so mad. I wish it wasn't like this. I don't want to accept this thing. This is really hard right now. Like whatever the truth is, you're going to move through that and you will experience a shift. How long that shift takes is unique to the individual. And so when you're working with a practitioner, we check in, right? Okay, how are you feeling now? What's coming up for you? There's also something that happens which is called shifting aspects. All that means is we are emotionally complex human beings, right? So we have, yes, maybe anger, which as women, we're often not allowed to have anger, right, from childhood. Girls are supposed to be nice and quiet and pretty and thin and helpful, right? So when you have rage as a woman, it's extremely uncomfortable. Um, I'm, for some reason, focusing on rage today, but let's say it's sadness or irritation or whatever it is, um, you're going to, it's going to move. So let's say you start it with irritation and then you realize, well, actually what I'm feeling is a lot of resentment. Um, and then the resentment might move to, well, actually I'm feeling envy. And then, so we follow those aspects. We follow those emotions through the session, um, and follow the intensity of those. And they're, they're so insightful. There's so much information there to help us to process our thoughts and our feelings and bring healing to whatever it is that we're dealing with at that time. Um, and so then we start to feel spaciousness. And again, as a practitioner, I know how to measure that with my clients. And so we're gonna start to feel some spaciousness um, as we're working through things. And so we'll, st we'll start to use language like um, the reframes. Maybe, maybe I can see this differently. Like, what if we'll start to ask some questions? Like, so we create curiosity, maybe what if, what if it's possible? Um, I wonder, we create a lot of wonder and, and it, it's so healing because it allows and invites the, the mind to come up with, you know, some solutions or some ideas or thoughts that are still there. And you're just creating space for them to come up because you're not so triggered in that emotional, uh, in those emotional handcuffs right and then we move from that as we're starting to feel better and better and we're starting to let go of the intensity of whatever we were feeling and move towards the desirable the possible like the can be positive if i it's not always helpful to think about things in negative and positive but for the lack of a better word let's call it positive so we're moving towards something that we want and then we start to tap into those affirmations so one of my favorite things about tapping that i do think is important to say here I'm talking a lot about moving from that quote unquote negative to the positive. Tapping is also powerful for simply tapping in the positive. Mm -hmm. So what happens sometimes um, with my clients is they're like, well, I don't feel bad. Like my, you know, that session that you're talking about, people can download if they want. It's, it's start your day calm, clear and grounded. And I do in that session, help people move from stressed out or overwhelmed to feeling more calm and grounded. What if you wake up and you feel calm and grounded? Well, then what? Do you just not tap? So what I do in my personal practice is I ask myself three questions in the morning. I'm like, how am I feeling this morning? Do this in a journal, or you can just simply reflect. How am I feeling this morning? Well, I've had mornings where I'm like, I'm feeling like pretty, pretty good. Like I feel amazing. I'm calm. I'm centered. I'm grounded. Awesome. How do I want to feel is the second question. 
and I'll write down in that instance, I'll write down more of the same. I want to feel more of that. Maybe I want to feel even like not just calm, but I want to feel energized, whatever. And then the third question is what's stopping me? That is okay. an incredible question. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna get lots of information there. And that one, I'll then I'll be like, oh, I'm feeling a little bit, actually, I am a little bit um, nervous about this podcast I'm recording with Megan. Like, oh, interesting. That's just a little frizzen, like a little tiny gap between feeling like super calm and just calm, right? So I'm already yeah. calm. Maybe I'm an eight out of 10 on calm, but I want to be a 10 out of 10 on calm. So then you use tapping to so, say, you'd say, even though I'm just feeling a tiny bit nervous about this session with Megan, I'm also feeling really, really excited. And I'm so pumped about all the possibilities that are going to come from this. And even though I have a few nerves about tapping or about um, this podcast with Megan, that's okay. I'm allowed to feel a little bit anxious, but I'm also really, really excited. So you tap through that and you tap into those feelings that you really want and it releases a little bit of resistance or anxiety or overwhelm or whatever is there. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah, you painted. Um, I really appreciate that walkthrough that you just did because I think it, it, especially for those listening who are who are new to the concept of tapping and, and EFT, I think it, it paints more of a picture of, of what's happening, you know? And, um, and I always like... So I, 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 I'll be honest, I, and I, I've shared this with you, I haven't actually done tapping on myself in a while, but there was a season of my life where, um, and it's so, I love that you mentioned the bathroom stall because that was me. I would leave my office, go down the hallway to the bathroom stall, and I would be in there tapping like almost daily, yeah. like when I'm just as it was a moment for myself to check in with what I was feeling. And there, for me, one of the things that I love the most is that like that starting with like the even though, you know, mm -hmm. and, and the way in which that those words, even though is both affirming and accepting of what's happening. And like you said, opening this sense of possibility and wonder for, for, for what might be. And I think that that is such a, a beautiful way to engage with ourselves and hold space for ourselves um, to, again, accept what's happening. And, and as you say, like the way in which we can then explore, well, what's kind of underneath or, or what's one layer deeper, or maybe I thought I was feeling anger and really it is jealousy or really it's grief yeah. or you know yeah. and and that that it's it's this exploratory thing which I think is and the thing that as you said that you know we can do ourselves and that it's it's we're not necessarily going to create a whole lot of harm. Like it's, you know, you can even your example of doing it the first time and not entirely knowing what you were doing, but still you were able to access some relief. Yes, absolutely. And it, that just whetted my appetite for more Then I was like, there is something to this because it truly was transformational for me in that one instance. And so the, even though part of the language is really important, it's allowing us to just, like I said, tell the truth. Sometimes I like to say it in a different way. I might say, especially because, or even if, and yeah. so you can play around with the language a little bit, but I also, like we said, like you can't really do harm. And if you're somebody who has an affirmation practice, like maybe you're somebody who's like, I don't really care about this telling the truth thing or this like processing the, the uncomfortable emotions, the distressing emotions. I just want, I just want to move towards those affirmations. 
Well, you could start then with tapping into the affirmations. You're going to learn a lot about yourself. You're going to find out why you don't believe those affirmations on a deeper level because uh, you're going to be processing them in a new way. So, um, you know, that like every day in every way, I'm getting better and better. I've heard that affirmation lots of times, right? Have you ever heard that one? I have, um, yeah. Right. So it's like, you know what, what does your mind say to you when you say that out loud? And if you just were to repeat it 10 times, looking at yourself in the mirror, you know, almost all of us are going to have this little question mark in them. And at least at the very least, we're going to have a little tiny question mark that goes, really? Yeah. Like, not really. That um, sliver of doubt, at least. At, at yeah. the very least. And yeah. so then you tapping allows you to get curious about that, to cultivate that sense of wonder and go, huh, I wonder what's in there. I wonder why I don't fully believe that and, um, and get curious about that. And then it's going to help that affirmation to go deeper. And we have to allow for um, multicolor, multi-layered, complex human beings. Like we are not one dimensional. So this whole toxic positivity thing needs to be flushed down the toilet. It's ridiculous and it's not helpful. And it's shaming a lot of people for having a normative human experience of all of the emotions, the kaleidoscope. So tapping doesn't fix anything. Like I used to really struggle with anxiety, like to the, you know, to a very, um, dysfunctional level. It was not helpful for me at all um, because anxiety can sometimes be helpful. So we're talking, I'm not talking about the normal experience of anxiety where we're always going to have anxiety as one of the emotions that we can feel at times. For a while I had like serious anxiety. So tapping helped me to recover from that. And it was one of the tools that I used to recover from that. Now I use it for um, just general health and wellness. I mean, yeah. when you're not in a chronic stressed, chronic baseline fight or flight every single day, um, your body is able to do what it needs to do to repair and heal all of the things that happen on a daily basis, right? Like my body can go into rest and digest. I can, my liver can detoxify. I can um, actually absorb nutrients. Like there are things that happen in our physical body that cannot happen when our body thinks the tiger is chasing us. And that is what modern day living is for a lot of us. It's this constant feeling of I'm not enough. I should be further along by now. Like it's and even, even if you don't have those conscious thoughts, it, you can feel it in your body, shoulders up by the ears, clenched jaw, insomnia, headaches, gut problems. Um, so tapping really does work with your body to regulate your nervous system and allow that rest and digest very, very critical healing process to take place. So if there's no other reason than, than that to tap, I think that's enough. Even if you're not needing to work through something on a therapeutic level, just another tool to, um, you know, drink yoga or sorry, drink water, do your yoga, you know, tap, go for a walk in the woods, like pet your dog. These are things that we really need to bring into our daily lives for our health and wellness. Absolutely. One of the things that I remember, and I'm curious um, here. So I know we're going to, we're going to link um, Jackie's 10 minute guided session on starting your day from that place of clarity and calm for you to give tapping a try and, and to start to explore. 
But one of the the things that I remember is like sometimes like you know you're tapping on your head and there's just this sense of like discomfort that comes and I don't know if that's because you're like tapping too hard or or like does that mean like like um and and I know too the other thing is that um like you 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 spoke about like the first round but that sometimes it can actually take you many rounds to work through right. an issue and actually like bring yourself down. Are, are there any like if you had like three like pieces of advice or like three um things that people usually get tripped up on right. what are what are those kind of like common hang-ups do you think that we could just dispel right now yeah that's a really good question so one of them would be do I have to tap on all of the points because okay. there are multiple points in on the body and I go through them in a very specific sequence all practitioners really do and that's how we're trained and there's you know, there's a flow to it. However, uh, one of my children, because I tap with both of my kids. So if you're a parent, this is a really, really uh, easily accessible, practical tool to give to our children. And it's um, so kinesthetic. So, so helpful uh, for, for our kids. So, and there's lots, again, like I could just get, I could nerd out on this all day. There's so many great studies showing like how it helps with test anxiety or, oh, it's just, it's amazing as a tool. So, um, what I've found is my kids usually want to tap at night, which is awesome. Right when they're going to bed and mom is ready to just get the heck out of there. <laughs> they're like, mom, can we tap? I'm like, no, but we tap and they sleep well. My, my, one of my children does not feel comfortable tapping on all of the points for whatever okay. reason, those points are uncomfortable. And so we skip them all those ones. Like he really only has a couple points that he's comfortable with. It's fine fine okay that's because for me it's my temples I think it just doesn't feel no, good on my temples no just leave them and um, I'm really sensitive now I still it's not so sensitive I can't tap but I'm really sensitive under my eye point I you know so I am I tap there but very gently um okay and it is a delicate place on the body so if a point is so uncomfortable for you when you're tapping that it's a distraction or if in any way it's painful, literally just skip it. I find for a lot of women, there's a liver point, which is right under your chest, kind of like on your bra line. Um, so literally right under your chest, I find a lot of women are really uncomfortable at that place because yeah. some of us are having to lift up our chest to really get there. I do not have that problem. I tap under my chest just fine. But for any of my clients that have any reason they're uncomfortable with a point, uh, we just skip it. It's fine. So that's number one. I would say um, skip a point if you're not comfortable and literally don't worry about it. What I okay. find, um, I work with a lot of recovering perfectionists. So women who tried, like I said, really hard for a long time to get everything right. And that is absolutely a trauma adaptation from childhood, for sure. I suffer from that one as well. And so as recovering perfectionists, what we want is we want to do it perfectly. We think that it has to be done perfectly to work. So don't worry about the points. Also, don't worry about the words. They don't have to be perfect. So just tune in as much as you can to yourself and allow yourself to ramble. You know, a lot of us would love to vent out to our best friend. We want to talk about our feelings. So start to explore the possibility that what if I was my own best friend? What would I say to myself? And how would I say it? And don't edit. It's okay. It's okay. Just let it go. Um, if you can't say anything, like if maybe you don't have words, the tapping also just works on its own for a little while. Like it's, well, not for a little while, but what I mean is like, um, you probably will eventually have some words to that and that's great until that happens no pressure just tap 
just or, or I think I've done before too where sometimes I don't know what the next word is but I just keep repeating until yeah. it comes you know oh, and it does totally. come eventually yeah. yeah it does or maybe it doesn't and like so people are worried like well I don't know how to end it it's well I'm done <laughs> walk away like that bathroom <laughs> stall experience I there was no end point I felt better yeah so do you feel better um that's a really great measure but so what we use one of the tools that we use with tapping it's a, a way of measuring how we're feeling one thing uh, one of my clients calls it tapping amnesia so a few times like th again this doesn't happen at every session but once in a while we'll tap on something and then when we later talk about it maybe in a future session she's like i don't remember that i don't remember feeling that way and um so we jokingly call it it was her term she called it tapping amnesia so as a practitioner it's really important for me to have a way to help you measure so you remember because sometimes we feel so good like that rage tap example i told you about the bathroom stall um it's it can be challenging for me to remember just how upset i really was because it's just not even an issue anymore so we it's called subjective units of distress or we call it suds all you need to know you don't need to know anything actually about that at all other than it's that zero to ten scale so when you work with a practitioner we're always asking um on a scale of zero to ten how intense is that feeling right like i I said, for me, it was like a 12 out of 10 um, on that one instance. So maybe it's a seven out of 10. It really helps me to guide the session to know which language to use for you so that it helps to move you in a really um, safe and comfortable way through the flow of the process. So you don't need to do that for yourself. However, that's where journaling can be really helpful because you might even forget sometimes how what you were thinking or feeling. And it, one thing that we need to do for ourselves is celebrate our wins, celebrate how far we've come and notice it, notice the journey, witness the journey. And um, so giving ourselves permission to do that. When the other, I think I kind of got off on a tangent as you can tell, and somebody who loves to chat about what I'm passionate about. And so when we were talking very early on in this podcast, you'd asked um, to explain a bit about tapping. And I said, there were three things three foundations oh, yeah. when I only mentioned that it's somatic and that it works really fast the third one and we have touched on this I just didn't do it in an orderly way but we talked about transformation mm -hmm. so healing that can occur you know I told you my own story about my rage tap and um you know what happened for me there and that really just doesn't trigger me at all anymore um or this client that I have that gets tapping amnesia so one of the studies that Dr. Peta Stapleton has done is um she works primarily with food cravings and okay. so they had a group of people that received tapping for their food cravings. They were in an eight-week program. And then there was a group of people um, as the counter group in the study that received cognitive behavioral therapy, right? And so the tapping group resolved their cravings in those eight weeks. Uh, the cognitive behavioral therapy for the same kind of results took them... Hmm. Now I can't remember if it was three or six months. So let's be conservative and say three, even if it was three, I think it was six though. I'm pretty sure it was wow. six months. So way longer, way, way longer to get the same kind of results. Um, and then they did a one year follow-up. So this is what I'm talking about transformation. Like how do, do we even have evidence? Like I'm giving you my, um, like, qualitative evidence my own experiential evidence saying hey as Jackie I've experienced the transformation of this tool but let's nerd out a little on the science so they did um two things they did brain scans to look for 
the changes, the physical changes in the brain. And they saw that the wavelengths, when someone was shown a picture of uh, food that they would crave, the brain wavelengths didn't, they were still calm and like even, and they flowed like in that really calm, relaxed state after receiving the tapping therapy for it. Um, one year later, they had the same response. So after a full year, they still were able to maintain that transformation. They were not triggered by that craving anymore. Uh, the cognitive behavioral therapy group did not um, have the same result as far as the lasting results. That's they fascinating. Also, isn't it fascinating? Mm -hmm. They also did a two-year study of the, or a two-year follow-up of that same thing. And I think it's the only two-year follow-up that they've done so far for results. And the changes still remained for the tapping group. Um, and then they did the, like the interview, right? So they talk with somebody, Hey, it's okay. I'm going to pretend I'm Dr. Peter right now. Hey, it's Dr. Peter Stapleton. And I'm just calling to check up on um, your results from that um, food craving study that we did. And, you know, she tells the story. She's like, literally this person would be like, I, you know, I don't remember what food I craved. Mm -hmm. oh, my notes here say you used to crave chocolate. Like you had to have chocolate. It was like controlling your life. And, oh yeah, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. I guess I did used to crave chocolate. No, nope, not an issue anymore two years later. So when we're looking for real freedom, it's possible. It's actually possible to rewire the brain to actually change our lives. However, like I said, that change can be hard one when we're working with only the conscious mind and trying to white knuckle it through our thoughts. Absolutely. And, and it really is. I mean, there's so much that we're still learning about the brain, right? And it, oh like, it's, it's so magical. And I know um, I, I, I'm making my way through um, I, it's a book I've done in like fits and starts, but um, Bessel van der Golk's uh, The Body Keeps the Score. And, you know, there's so many beautiful books out there and research, especially when it comes to trauma and wounds from our childhood and these patterns of, of thinking and behavior that, that have really been embedded in our bodies and that there is this need for that more somatic and body-based intervention yeah. if you want to call it that tool resource um and that those body-based interventions are really these like can be so transformational and i i know in my own work as as a yoga teacher and especially in, in restorative yoga um there's a desire for a lot of people these days because they've done like you said they've done the white knuckling they've tried to um They've been hard on themselves. They've like tried to, whether it is these more disciplinary approaches to rewire thoughts and, and patterns and behaviors. And I think there's something so beautiful about what you've shared and about tapping that, that you know, the name of the podcast with heart and wonder, but that really is that kind of compassionate, playful approach that allows us to tune into possibility with curiosity and to hold space for ourselves and uh, I, it's 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 so cool I'm so grateful for for what you've shared today and I'm curious so as we wind our way to the end of this episode like if there's anything on your heart that you feel really called to share right now or or that that you're you're thinking about after this conversation Mm, that's such a good question. That's such a good question. I really do 
believe that if being hard on ourselves worked, it would have worked by now. Yeah. And that's something that, again, I work primarily with women. So I find that a lot of us try really hard for a really long time. And when it doesn't work, we wonder what's wrong with us. We're afraid it must be us. And that's just not true. So finding a practice, whether it's tapping or something else, but finding a practice that nurtures the self-compassion that we can offer ourselves. Like we are the hero of our own story. We're meant to be. And um, we're meant, so speaking to ourselves, like I said, like as a best friend, or how do you talk to your pet? Like, what if you used that voice with yourself? My dog has a really good life. So if only I could talk to myself like her. Um, and that's where tapping is a very practical tool that's going to help you cultivate self-compassion. One of the main things I hear in my practice, actually, is my childhood wasn't that bad. I hear mm -hmm. that all the time. Um, a phrase like that. Well, but my childhood wasn't that bad. Look, like some of us had really terrible childhoods. And if that's you, I send out so much love and compassion because that is a, a fact and a reality. Um, uh, most of us probably would say, well, but it wasn't that bad because we're comparing, right, to all those terrible stories. And we're thinking, well, it wasn't that bad. Um, the truth is that we're looking back on our childhood with an adult brain. Mm -hmm. I look back on my childhood with a 44 year old brain and I think, well, it wasn't that bad. I mean, obviously, right. It wasn't that bad. However, I experienced my childhood with a child brain and a child needs what love, belonging, safety, security, predictability. That's what we need. Um, it's like childhood. I heard Brene Brown describe it recently as like childhood is like, being on you know like one of those suspension bridges over a really deep chasm and you're walking you know across and what the the rails that are there for us to be guided and safe like that's what parenting is supposed to do for us um so parents are very well intentioned for the most part but they they are human beings and so the invitation for our adult life is to unlearn some of the trauma adaptations that we developed as children. Again, I'm not saying necessarily from big T trauma, I'm talking about the, the, even the little trauma that we experience as children because we have to be egocentric as children because that's all that we're able to do at that point of our development. There's nothing else for a child. It's, it's all about me as a child because it's all about my survival. So we make up all these stories. I mean, everything means something about us. And it was very adaptive for us as a child so it worked at that time, but as a 44-year-old woman, it's not going to work for me anymore. Now it's maladaptive. And yet being hard on myself about that isn't the way to heal that. So we use self-compassion and we use embodiment um, somatic tools to create safety in the body and to create the possibility for change in those subconscious, deeply ingrained beliefs and patterns so that we can find freedom and really live a life of um, like fulfillment, connection, belonging. That's what life is about.
So that's essentially, that is what I'm here for. And it was really an honor to share this work with you today. Thank you for having me and for sharing this with, with your part of the world. Oh, thank you so much, Jackie. What a uh, deeply, I think, thought-provoking episode and, and so much that you shared, both in terms of, of the science of tapping that is, it gives us a lot to chew on and the, the transformation, as well as your personal story with it. It was such a treat to have you here today. Such a gift. Thank you so much for shining your light in this world. Thanks, Megan. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us for another episode of With Heart and Wonder. If you're curious to give tapping a try, Jackie has her 10-minute guide to start your day calm, clear, and grounded. You can grab that at experience.com. JackieAcree.com. So experience.jacquiacree.com. And that link is also in the episode description for today's episode. And just a reminder if you'd like to join us for the upcoming masterclass on a compassionate approach to rest, head on over and get on my email list at meganjohnston.com. N E G H A N. J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N dot com. Until we meet again, keep living with heart and wonder.